0: Hi, Shannon Waller here, and welcome to Team Success. Oh my gosh. Today I am back with Steven Nooner and Ryan Kasson of Superpowers, and we are on episode five of how to really elevate the whole conversation around assistance, being leveraged, being supported, what to do. And today we're going to talk about what not to do, which I think is completely cool and fascinating, and literally I'm leaning into the microphone of the camera right now because we've called this one pitfalls avoid these mistakes so this is what not to do and I'm sure that you guys have created this list out of a what you've done <laughs> didn't work so well and b what you've seen a lot of other people do that doesn't work so I'm excited to share this wisdom there's five key points and you also have a lot of coaching about how to not make the big errors that other people have made. So thank you for sharing this wisdom with us. For me, this is gold. We all love coaching entrepreneurs on how to be more successful in teamwork. You have your specialty, I have mine, but I feel like we're so like-minded in this. So just thank you for your generosity and sharing all of your insights.
1: Thank you for having us here. It's always great to be a part of this community and just all learning and growing together. And I would say I've made none of these mistakes. I've I've been totally perfect in all of my assistant teamwork. So every mistake that you've heard here is a hundred percent about Mr. Cass in here. <laughs> I'll fill in the blanks, gladly. Glad I have a role to play here. <laughs> Bet you we should have gone first now, buddy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Steven's never made any mistakes ever. <laughs>
2: uh, I'd like to get his wife on the record on that one, please.
0: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Well, and this is, but I, I really love the tone that we're taking with this. I actually do lean into these things. And this is one of the interesting characteristics about entrepreneurs. This is how the story goes. When executives or corporate people are talking to one another, they're sharing their successes. And not that entrepreneurs don't, but they are more interested in hearing from other people. What did you do that didn't work? What trap should I avoid? What should I not do? Share what didn't work. And here's what I did that I thought was going to be a huge win. that was a total disaster. We love the learning stories, right? So I think this is going to be fun, first of all. And this is in the spirit of improvement. This is in the spirit of being useful. This is in the spirit of saving someone else the pain that we went through. And there's a generosity to that. So I love the lightheartedness. I love the learning. I love the spirit of improvement. I always love the coaching. This is a lighthearted way to talk about a serious subject and knowledge that's been very hard won, I'm sure. And it's really fun to be able to share it in a way that you're not bad or wrong if you make these mistakes. It's simply what works better and what doesn't right? So the spirit that we're talking about this with, to me, is just as important as the actual content. And it's great to be able to laugh at your mistakes, right? I was talking with Dan Sullivan about this actual topic this morning about transforming things and not judging yourself harshly, right? He goes, okay, you're going to make mistakes, but don't do it again. Don't relive it and beat yourself up over it. That's not the point. The point is to learn from it, our tool is Experience Transformer, so that you can learn what to do differently next time. That's how you get smarter, So just go, okay, learn from it, move on, which is what we're going to be sharing today. All right, so let's talk about pitfalls, avoid these mistakes. We're going to talk through a number of common pitfalls that entrepreneurs can fall into when working with an assistant. So this is really very specific, what to do, what not to do. And the first one is delivering growth goals abrasively, So what does this look or sound like? Because we all have growth goals. There's things that we want to accomplish, but there's an effective way to do this and a not effective way to do this. So let's start with the not effective. What does it look or sound like when someone's not delivering the goals properly or in a way that works? Ryan?
2: Yeah, the biggest thing we see here is it's twofold. A, impatience. I mean, we're primarily talking to a quick start audience here, right? There's an expectation that in that quick start, Everything is up and running and running perfectly right from the get-go. Folks are looking for those quick and easy wins up front, and they're looking for that early affirmation that the relationship is on the right path, right? I mean, part of being able to have this relationship is knowing that you've got the right fit executive assistant, Mm -hmm. and you're looking for signals early on that you have that right fit person, right? Uh And there's that heightened awareness of every little thing. You know, if you think about a five-year relationship, any one project is contributing to a very large body of work. The average is very hard to move. You know who that person is and what they're capable of. But early on in particular, you're setting that average with every single task. And so that's one of the biggest challenges we run into is just that overall sense of impatience rather than taking the long view of the relationship.
0: I heard a great quote. It's from Rick Rubin in a book called The Creative Act, which he said, impatience is an argument with reality. And I was like,
2: Damn, this is brilliant.
0: That's a really good one. My hand was raised. It's like, yep, that would be me. <laughs> I represent that remark. Right? It's being impatient with reality. And it's so true. But I think your point about the easy wins is also quite relevant. We kind of, <laughs> we're not going to delay gratification. And we often take those early wins as a signal that things are going well, or if they're not, there a signal that things are going bad and we should bail. Right. So how do you Marry these two things together that need for quick wins. I'm going to want sometimes it's a need, with at the same time not coming across like a jerk <laughs> about presenting those goals.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think the decision, or maybe the mindset that needs to be determined by the entrepreneur, the person working with the executive assistant, the strategic assistant, right from the get go needs to be is this person, is my assistant going to be responsible for? Menial work or meaningful work? Ooh, menial or meaningful work. And if it's menial, your impatience remains high. Your expectations remain unhinged from reality. You're you're setting yourself up for a really bad relationship where the amount of friction can never sort of be overcome versus meaningful work, which is you're taking the time to invest in the relationship in ways that don't immediately translate to results, right? Reading your assistant into what your vision of the future is. What are your annual goals, quarterly goals? Where are you going with the business? What are the challenges you're facing? What are the ways that you're taking the time to really bring your executive assistant up to speed so you have that mind meld so that your assistant is now looking at the world in the same way that you do because that's
1: where the opportunity for extraordinary results comes from.
0: There's so much I love about what you just said. Steven, I know you want to weigh in.
1: Yeah, well, and I would just say another part of this is awareness. Part of the reason why we are so passionate about you know, getting this message out to everyone is because awareness is a crucial thing. Entrepreneurs sometimes are riding five or six roller coasters at once right? And (laughs) that's a good one. We would oftentimes never say things to other people that we would say to ourselves, well, who are the closest people to us? A lot of times it's our assistants, it's our spouses, it's our children, right? And so it's quickly just by proximity, it's a very close relationship. And then over time, it's a deep relationship. So I think awareness is a big, you know, tap on the shoulder, like, Hey, this is a person and people matter.
0: I love that. In fact, one of the things, one of your kind of coaching points here is really recognizing with whom you're working. And we've touched on this a little bit before. So almost by definition, and you guys would know this because you use profiles. Yes is that most assistants are not quick start. Most of them have more from a Colby standpoint, K-O-L-B-E dot com, are much more fact finder follow through, which they need to be because they're, they need to get that kind of work done. They've got the mental energy for it that you don't. But from a personality side, they don't tend to be as fast paced. The way that their task focus tends to be quieter, much more even paced. They're not slow paced, but they're even paced. But when you're moving, when you're, when you're riding five or six roller coasters at once, it can look slow. It's not, it's just even. One of the coaching points I got from my previous executive assistant, Nicole, she goes, I know I am a support person. I know that is my best role. I've been in a bunch of different roles, super smart, super capable. She goes, I know that I am the best in this role. And I was like, that self-awareness blew me away first of all, I'm like, okay, you're my human just because you know that. And I needed someone to support me because as I'm riding the five or six roller coasters, which feels very true right now for me, <laughs> I need someone who's got my back. Like, Shannon, have you eaten? Did you get your tea? Like all the little caring things. Um, I want someone to care about my future. I want someone who's going to be aware of that. So one of the things that you kind of let me a little secret in is you say they're much more empathetic. You know, they are largely empathetic people, and entrepreneurs are passionate people. These are general stereotypes, but I have to say they're stereotypes for a reason.
2: They ring true, for sure. And and one of the things that we sometimes run into, and it's a little, call it a pink flag, maybe not a red flag, because I think it's well-intentioned, is... Sometimes folks will say, well, I just need a copy of myself or I need a second me to be able to get the kind of results I need out of this relationship. And what we try to do is shift their mindset that they need a complement to them, not a clone of them. Because the skills, the ability to do the things that are difficult for entrepreneurs to complete, the follow-through and being able to get things implemented, right? Those are the things that require a different complementary skill set and frankly personality yeah. than what a lot of entrepreneurs have. There's tremendous value in what entrepreneurs bring to the world, but there are also limits to what they're capable of of doing themselves. And that's where you need to bring in somebody like an executive assistant or, heck, for that matter, it's the reason we hire to begin with, is to find people who are better than we could possibly be at the different roles and tasks in the business. And so looking for that complement and not a clone is so critically important. And there are ways, I think, to address some of that quick start anxiety, especially early on in the relationship. One of the things that we coach our executive assistants on is even if a project is going to take considerable time to complete, there's nothing that stops you from being responsive right away and feeling like there's this momentum and energy to the project that your assistant is aware of what you've asked for and is going to take action on it. And that alone can really, you know, sort of lower the pressure of the relationship early on and build that confidence that you've got somebody who is going to you know be on top of it for you and is going to be able to complete the tasks for you and be able to finally help lessen the load that you have on your plate.
0: Yeah. One of the other ways to state a pitfall is do not clone yourself for this role. That is one of the very worst mistakes you can make because then the person's going to want your job not to do the job you want them to do. Why would you do that? When this is where we kind of buy personality, sometimes we buy the passion, we buy the energy and we're like, great. I want a complimentary me, but with the same kind of like thing, not realizing they're going to completely burn out on those tasks. So once you have expanded the bandwidth, and I think I may be repeating myself, but one of our clients, once he learned about Colby, it applies to a bunch of things. He goes, before I knew about Colby, I thought everyone was just like me, only not as good. Right? And I can't say it without still cracking up. (laughs) It's so funny. And that's the lack of awareness that you want a complementary human who might look different. They look calmer than you do. And that's a good thing. Not a bad thing. So, yes.
1: And no matter what they are that is different, they're not a lesser entity, right? Right. They're not a lesser entity. And again, back to what I said earlier, people matter. And look, in the spirit of I've never done this before, aka I've done this before, right? Like I know these things. We help people with these things. but. Even just the other day, I delivered something probably a little bit rough, right? Here's the trick. The real F word. I'm sorry. <laughs> Will you forgive me? I was an idiot in the moment. I was stressed about this and that. I'm sorry. You know, like it doesn't have to be a thing. But the problem is sometimes we forget to go if we think in lesser entity and we don't treat them like they are, which is truly, truly a crucial team member for you. Uh-huh. Those little nicks add up to someone that's really empathetic over time and they turn into big wounds.
0: Mm, so wise, so wise. Yes, please forgive me. <laughs> it's a really good line. And to really treat people as people as they are your support partner. I've talked about that before. That's what I call my Katrina now. She's my support partner, which means the implication is equal, complimentary, but equal. And like, don't be arrogant is what I was thinking of as you were talking they're not better than us, they're just different. They don't need the limelight, they don't need the attention, and they have a massive contribution to
1: make. I like equal in form, unique in function.
0: Oh, you guys have like all of these great things, like menial or meaningful, complimentary or clone. Say that again, Stephen?
1: Equal in form, unique in function.
0: Oh, so good. Look at all these drops of wisdom. Ryan?
1: There's a
2: temptation here to look at it just purely from the, you know, is the executive assistant performing? Is the executive assistant doing the right thing? And, and certainly that's the general nature of the direction of the relationship, especially early on. But I think one of the other things that limits growth in the relationship that we see quite a bit is an entrepreneur's desire to project him or herself as perfect. I think oftentimes we're expected to have all the answers or appear in control or seem bulletproof as a leader of the organization. You know, This is how we inspire confidence in our team. And that may be well and good. That may be your leadership style with your team. But I would just caution that that really limits the surface area of things that your executive assistant can support you with, right? And so Being you, flaws and all, I think is an important piece of a really high-functioning relationship. And it shows up in ways that are, I think, unexpected over the course of the relationship if you can have that really authentic, open, transparent, honest
1: back and forth. No matter how ridiculous it is, literally Ryan and I, Mr. Kess and I had a meeting earlier today and I'm known for getting into deep work and getting lost in time, like losing time, right? And so he had something he needed to tweak just a few minutes. And so it was, you know, assistant changing the calendar, sending text message, like all those things. And I previously felt super ridiculous. Like, I mean, it's all scheduled. Why the hell can't I just stay on track with time? But it just is what it is. And so having someone that will go so far as to call you or whatever to give you that extra nudge. May seem ridiculous, but if it's what you need, it's what you need.
0: And you have to ask yourself, who's judging that compared to who, right? Like we have all of these conversations in our head that frankly were put there. We did not create them. If we didn't have some of that, we would just say, here's how I need help, right? And I'm laughing because I had someone, conversation with Dan ran late. So I'm like, could you please let this person know? And then I had to chat them in the Zoom. And then I literally had someone kicking me out of a meeting to join this Zoom, right? like It's on my link. So I had to go open it. She's like, I have to kick you out because Katrina said I needed to do this so you can be on time for your next thing. Like, (laughs) yes, (laughs) we both had that experience today. And it's cool. And this is why being transparent, to go back to your point, Ryan, about the goals, the other factor here is long-term. Like if you're just looking for a short-term person to do a task, that's not what we're talking about here. This is someone who's going to be your partner for your long-term, your three-year, your one-year, your three months, you know, in terms of what you want to accomplish. So they have the context. And this is the other thing I know from the types of profiles that phenomenal executive assistants have. They need context. And you providing your longer-term goals is the map. If you just give them this little task, they can only see like the next two steps ahead. If you're giving them the map, they can see it miles down the road and they can help plan. And frankly, their capabilities for that are better than most of ours. So you're just shooting yourself in the foot if you do not do that. And do it graciously, do it kindly, almost like you would with a client, right? They're not you. And the last point, amazing, I remembered all these. If you would try to pretend you're perfect, They see through you in about three seconds because you'll mess something up. You'll get impatient. You'll be like, I don't want to do that right now. And then if you still pretend to be perfect, they just know you're lying to yourself and everybody else. So why even bother? And it's so much more liberating. Say, this is me. This is what I have mental energy for. This is what I don't. Sorry, I'm being grumpy today. It's not you. You know, just being super honest, just first of all, it takes way less energy and it creates a much more trusting relationship. I can't imagine doing it any other way, to be honest. What you see is what you get with me. (laughs) That's for sure. All right, let's go to point number two, which I think is hysterical, and I love how you've articulated this, task hoarding. So what is task hoarding, and why does it matter?
2: Yeah, it's sort of that scenario we run into where The entrepreneur is holding on to everything so tightly that they're not giving their executive assistant an inch to even come up and help them. This shows up in a few different ways. I mean, you know, certainly there's the yes, the baton that you've got there is the perfect example. This shows up in some unexpected ways as well. We run into this a lot. So, you know, we'll check in with folks at the 30, 60 and 90 day point in the initial onboarding to make sure things are on track. We're talking to the entrepreneur at the 30, 60, 90 day mark, but we're talking to their assistant every single week in coaching calls to make sure that the relationship is on track. And one of the interesting things that we see sometimes is that the feedback we get from assistants is that they're being ignored. So their messages that they're sending or calls that they're making are... Being ignored by the entrepreneur, they're turning out to be the blocker, and sometimes that's an adjustment period and getting used to the new relationship and a a new more efficient way ultimately to work. But oftentimes, what we found one of the sort of pernicious hidden ways that that shows up is task hoarding, that they're just not comfortable giving their tasks to someone else because they don't have confidence that anyone can do it as well as they can. And it's a really deeply limiting mindset. And I find that even folks who have hired for other people on their team for different areas, the tasks that we find that the entrepreneurs are still holding on to that are not a good use of their time are the hardest ones for them to delegate because they're probably competent or excellent at them. And, you know, many cases to use some coach unique ability terms, but they're not the unique ability tasks. And so they hold on to them tightly and they don't delegate those very easily even though they've delegated other things in their business and they consider themselves to be very effective delegators otherwise.
0: Yes. And the other reason I find that people do not, this is something we're all intimately familiar with. The other reason why people do not hand stuff off is they've been burned before. They have scar tissue. So they've handed it off. They've trusted someone, probably the wrong who, because they didn't have the process for hiring the right one. The person dropped the baton. I literally have a baton from Amazon in my hot little hands right now. He's like, oh, this is too important. You know, and, I, and the things I see are email. I'm curious to see yours. Well, it's email, scheduling, and travel. Those are the three things that I hear about the most often. I'm curious to see if that compares to your list.
2: Very much so. So email is deeply personal. It is the ultimate expression of nobody can do it as well as I can. It feels very personal. There's a lot of context involved. There's a lot of, you know, I've known this person for five years and I'm I'm not comfortable having, you know, somebody else involved in the relationship, which is fine. But again, you know, that can be very, very limiting when you multiply it across every relationship that you possibly have because email is is the catch-all for all of those people, right? So I certainly see it in email. You know, travel is funny because we run into two different groups. The people who love to do it themselves and then the people who really geek out on all of the points and all of the different ways to optimize travel. And, you know, folks go down that rabbit hole quite a bit. Yeah, they do. There's also sometimes discomfort just communicating preferences there. So, and I think you can see this more broadly in task hoarding is, you know, I have a certain way that I like things done or I have a certain way that I like to travel. Maybe you like to sit at the front of the plane. Maybe you like to get the nice five-star hotel, right? Aisle seat,
0: second one behind the bulkhead, I have my preferences.
2: Absolutely. Everybody does. And sometimes those preferences are uncomfortable to communicate for folks. You know, there's anxiety, there's head trash about, you know, I like to fly first class everywhere I go. And, yes. and that's important to me because I arrive more rested and refreshed and less stressed. Right. And we sometimes see that people will hold on to tasks where they're uncomfortable communicating their preferences on them. And that it really limits how useful the relationship can be over the long haul over something that ultimately your assistant doesn't really care about. They don't care. They just want to make sure that they have the opportunity to do it right for you. And if you don't have that communication, they'll never understand, well, why is it that he's holding on to this one particular thing that I'm perfectly capable of doing? Where's the distrust? Where's the disconnect in the relationship?
0: And they end up taking it personally, by the way.
2: Without a doubt.
0: Right. And so let's see if we can get rid of some of this head trash because I think this is important. And again, it's that fear of being judged. And I think a lot of assistants will be kind of shocked yep. to hear that the reason why you're not being handed off stuff, and I call it having a delegation death grip, TM. <laughs> <to say> them, <laughs> because, And you have this whole team around you, this great person, and you're still holding on to the whole thing. I demonstrate this. I put someone in a roly chair. I'm like, okay, I'm going to pass you this task. And then so I want you to take it from me. And I start working backwards and the chair moves. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like I've handed off, but I haven't really, right? Like I'm not letting go. And I think, again, going back to my previous point, assistants would be shocked to find out that the reason they're not getting stuff is because the entrepreneur is afraid of being judged, yeah. right? A thought to be too arrogant, too snotty, too hoity-toity, too throwing their money around, whatever the excuses are. And to your point, they don't care. They actually just want you to have what you want. And you don't need to justify it steven is that what you're going to say
1: yeah yeah just that sometimes that humility or whatever that can be right. thought or framed as is actually a form of arrogance because they don't necessarily want to be you right? <laughs> they don't, no, right they have their own again seeing them as equal in form unique and function that they have their own things that they care about right and those aren't your things so it's very freeing if you can release those yeah And definitely strengthens that teamwork
0: well and to some extent if you're really focused on that that's your ego talking that's not about you being the most effective you can be. And you don't have to justify what you want, nor do they, <laughs> right? I don't know anyone who wants to sit at the very back of the plane, to be perfectly honest. But, you know, maybe just getting on a flight's a big deal. Who knows? You're not in their, that person's shoes, as Dan would say. This is why sometimes entrepreneurs hearing from team members know, I really want to support you. I mean, this is something, if you're an assistant listening to this, you're like, oh, maybe that's why he or she isn't giving me these things. like, you know, I don't care where you sit. You know, I don't care what pillow you want at the hotel. I'm happy to provide those things for you. If it makes you happier, that's what I want. That almost needs to be communicated. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. I think this is where the more meta conversations and the EQ of a, a really great assistant play a role. And so rather than saying, you know, sort of trying to Hammer the same question. How can I help you do this? How can I do your travel? Can I get into your email inbox? Having the broader conversation about what are the blockers or what's getting in the way or how can I be more effective for you in this particular area? That's one way to do it. One of the other ways to do it too is just to say, okay, I understand to use an example, you want to take care of your own travel do you mind if I sit in on a Zoom with you and just watch you complete it so I can see how you think through it? And that bears all, right? It eliminates those barriers that exist or the unspoken things. And now your assistant has a playbook that they can themselves run and they've seen how you think through a particular decision. And now they're able to do it for you in the future. It sort of evaporates or unfreezes that aspect of the relationship.
0: I love that. And this is why the strategic coach tool, the impact filter is so good. In fact, at one point it was called the delegation filter because you get to set your success criteria. Here's what a really great trip looks like. Here's what a really great plane flight looks like. Right. Much less the whole trip. I literally have, this is not very complimentary to myself, but I might please give me the idiot's guide to travel. I need to know A to B, B to C, C to D... (laughs) all the things spelled out. Do not assume anything, right? Because I'm going to glance at this. I'm probably not going to look at it until about two minutes before I need to be in the limo or on the plane or whatever. So I need like spell it out. Pretend I know nothing, because that way I don't have to, right? And that made a huge difference, because before there were assumptions made, information was omitted. And now it's like, I don't worry about it. It's both on a piece of paper and in an app, and I am good to go. Because they're looking at it weeks in advance. I'm looking at it as I'm in the airport, right? And so, I mean, hopefully I've gotten most of my ego out of the way. I don't care what someone else thinks, and I know she thinks it's fine anyway, so it doesn't bother me, but I'm like, give me the idiot's guide to travel because that's what I need.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And back to the original point too. I mean, this is about having a longer term, not a short term investment mindset, right? You know, Ryan just gave a shortcut, right? To unlocking that if there is some friction and we've got a lot of those, but ultimately it's back to investing in that relationship, right? And creating understanding. Those are not things that you can microwave. It can be more of a crock pot. (laughs)
0: Oh my gosh, you guys have the best way of talking about things. And I think the other part of that too, if I think of pitfalls that I see, is that when you're really committed to that longer term future and you want that freedom, you are more likely to let go of the darn baton, right? If you're uncertain about your future or feeling skittish or scared about it, you are going to hang on to stuff,
2: right? Nature abhors a vacuum. And this is one of the things that we do run into, which is... I've had my hands so tight on the wheel for the things that I've done for so long that I don't know what I would do with the extra time, right? Right. And that can only come from inside, right? That's up to you. That's where your leadership, that's where your vision has to fill in the blank. And to your point, when you fill in that blank, that vision has to be so strong and has to be so compelling and so exciting that there's no other option for you that not delegating those things, that even if you're excellent at them, not delegating those things becomes a blocker to living your bigger future.
0: 100%. It's interesting. It comes from you. And then a couple of our clients have taken many sabbaticals. So four to six weeks, roughly. And one of them was feeling super sketchy about what to do when he came back. And Dan had this great coaching point. He said, ask your team what they want you to do. The truth is your team knows the highest and best use of you, even if you don't. The cool thing about taking time away from your business, you have to delegate, (laughs) you have to pass off that baton, but then they'll know what they need you for. They know how you can provide the most impact and positivity for the business. So ask them, I'm sure it will align with your unique ability, but it's interesting because that fear factor stops so many people from delegating effectively. We've all seen that for years, so I think that's key. Let's go more onto that. One of the other pitfalls, and this is number three, is having a short-term mindset. So that goes to what we were just referencing. You know, are you sharing your short-term goals or your long-term goals? And you pointed out, Ryan, a couple of times, you said your assistant will need patience and intentional investment up front. We've talked about that. The time to learn you. <laughs> Not time to learn the job, but time to learn you. That's right. Let's talk about that, because I think that's a brilliant way to put that.
2: Yeah, the way that we think about this is... If you're looking at the first 90 days, and even then, that's a pretty small amount of time relative to what we think a really productive relationship looks like, which is multi-year, right? But in the first 30 days, your assistant, and I think we've talked a little bit about this briefly in the past, your assistant's getting to know you. And this is the basic things, right? What are the ins and outs of your business? Who are the important people in your life? At 60 days, we're looking for understand you, right? You have shared context and vocabulary when you're talking about things. And then at 90 days, anticipate you right being able to see around the corner and act on your behalf but you don't just get there magically by putting in 90 days of showing up to work right there's a lot of back and forth conversations that have to happen and so i think we've outlined that 30 60 90 day framework in the past but what's really important are all of the questions that have to get answered in each of those phases for you to be on track and one of the things that we really encourage folks to do is not judge based on the last experience that you had sort of to that average, you know, that first project or two, your average, you know, is very, very small. And then you do a hundred projects together and the hundred and first project doesn't really affect the average that much. So are you judging your experience by the last interaction that you had or are you seeing the full picture of growth? Right. And are you putting together that sort of plus or minus? Are they living into your values and making progress on that? So for us, It is a lot of work and a lot of intentionality that goes into building that complete picture in the first 90 days.
0: Uh You know what this reminds me of, Stephen, you'll know because you've coached this, is one of the things that we find really important to communicate with someone new is what does success look like in the role? We've talked about that. But the second part is the few things that drive you crazy. And one of our cool tools is called the four by four. So it's like, here's how you can be a hero. Here's the results I want you to pay attention to. Here's the characteristics I want Here's how you can be a hero to me this quarter. But the fourth box, which is kind of like the third rail on the subway, right, is what drives me crazy. And it's interesting, Ryan, because I was thinking about that as you're saying, we tend to evaluate someone's performance on the last experience with them, like the short term rather than the whole picture. But if someone has touched that third rail with you, it's not pretty. But the problem is we don't tend to communicate what drives us crazy. And by the way, what drives us crazy with one person is actually what drives us crazy with everybody. So for some people, it's being let, like Dan calls it black holes. Where did that go? (laughs) Like something goes into the abyss, right? Another one is not letting him know when there's breakdowns that he could help with or being overwhelmed and not speaking up (laughs) would be another one. And that's the thing where sparks fly and you don't want that to happen. And when Dan shared that with some of his team members, with whom he works, they're like, it is so useful to know because there's all these great ways I can win and fourth ways I can lose. And it's just so productive for people. And we kind of feel like we want to be perfect. We want to present the great image. We don't want to have anything that drives us crazy. Pfft, you're killing yourself. And communicating that can be super useful. And there's things that drive them crazy too. And I actually like to do an exchange and it kind of goes like task hoarding. Right? Like that's just obnoxious or ignoring your assistance request for information. In fact, it was on this kickstart session I was talking that I got to do yesterday. And do you know how people said that the biggest obstacle to their growth was the fact that they were the bottleneck? Totally. Yep. This happened yesterday. So it's like, you can be the bottleneck with your assistant and they can't get stuff done. They can't complete their tasks. They can't complete the project. They can't move ahead to the next step. And they have way more mental energy for following through than you will. So we're kind of causing harm. Do you know what I mean? So that you being the bottleneck drives them crazy.
1: Well, Just saying. And one of the things we talked about task forwarding, one of the things we see from a short-term mindset, way this gets expressed sometimes is test dumping, Ooh. right? Like, you know, you're here, get busy. I'm gonna throw all this stuff on you versus investing the time to make sure that they know how to do it well. Yeah. Well, back to coach, you know, what is coach? What do we learn, right? Impact filter, right? I mean, yes. What a great way to make sure that that delegation is communicating all the information, all the ingredients, crucial ingredients to make that a great delegation, right? hundred percent. Do you even need an office, right? Maybe you're doing drive-bys like, oh, what about this? What about this? What about this? Or I mean, you're just constantly pinging, you know? Yeah. These are ways that they can be a, a symptom of, again, back to having a short-term mindset.
0: Mm, I love that. Yeah. In fact, I call it the delegation drive-by. <laughs> but this is when you whip the baton in someone's head. <laughs> yeah. Or what it looks like is you run by their desk and say, hey, can you take care of this for me? And then you dash. It's like die to dash, right? You delegate and dash. And they're like, what's this? There's like no time for questions, no deadline specified. How much work do you want to put into it? What does it relate in terms of priorities to other things? They're just like, uh, you know, and it does harm because then they can't be successful because then you can get super impatient and boy isn't done yet. You're like, because I thought this was the three-week project. They're like, no, I just wanted you to call Joe. And they are like, oh, that would have been useful, right? So that's like how not to screw up.
2: <laughs> Some of the other things that we see that are just, you know, sort of pitfalls in the same category is not documenting all the learnings that your assistant has gathered, right? Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that we talk a lot about is that, you know, we try to find the right fit assistant, right? And we hope that this relationship goes the distance, goes for years and years and years, But regardless, you're doing all the work to know, understand and anticipate along the way. You're building a relationship that even if that one person isn't the assistant you work with, you know, a decade from now, there's no reason the person you're working with today shouldn't be documenting all of your preferences, all the ways that you like things done, all the nuances of the relationship Because one of the short-term mindset kind of limiters is you think, well, the relationship's going to go the distance. Maybe not. Something happens, right? Lives change, and maybe you need to find a new assistant for whatever reason. It would be a shame that you you had a half decade's worth of awesome teamwork that just lived in your assistant's head. And it's gone, right? Yeah. So one of the things that if you're going to go through the trouble of onboarding a new executive assistant, new strategic assistant, make sure that you're creating that long-term roadmap of here's how you work with me. Here's what really effective teamwork looks like in this relationship.
1: Ryan has been gearing up to land this knockout blow. This was actually a mistake that I made. I had a dream assistant named Fern, and we worked together you know, a decade For good reasons, we decided to go different ways, right? And we're still great friends and everything else. The gap in knowledge and starting over was so painful, especially when you have a relationship that's operating at such a high level. And so that is baked into our process is really trying to create that awareness early on because they can be hit by a bus. I mean, it could be a thousand things that can happen, right? And the other thing that we see the way this plays out is while we're saying, you know, don't be short-sighted, don't be short-term minded here. We have seen entrepreneurs get a little bit of early relief with an assistant. They're so grateful because they were in such a poop sandwich before, right? They're eating poop sandwich after poop sandwich, right? And they get it, someone to just like make them eat just a fewer poop sandwiches. But we can see that early on because of the work we do that maybe the relationship's not just right. And we can see things where it's off track, but the entrepreneur also sometimes wants to settle. And so there's a balance in this conversation, right? And by having these things documented early on, right, you're less apprehensive to go ahead and want more in that relationship. And it allows us to help that entrepreneur make that switch when it's needed.
0: I like that because you really have the focus on long-term growth, right? So not just settling for short-term, but keep maximizing continuous improvement. So I'm even more grateful than I was before, and I was pretty grateful. So my previous person, Nicole, I kept raving about how great it was to work with her. And so she kept getting what felt like to her random phone calls. Nicole does not like taking random phone calls eight fact finders, seven follow through. (laughs) She wants to be prepared. So she wrote something called Teamwork Tips, and we'll include this in the show notes. And it's basically how to work with me. It's transferable to almost any quick start, by the way. It's hysterical. It shares her own knowledge. We actually packaged it. It's beautiful. It's got a cool red cover, all the things, downloadable. But it is a guide on how to work with someone like me. I hadn't put it in quite this context before, so that's why I'm even more grateful, but it's really, really fun. Now, it's eight pages and you could probably fill a small book. There's more to working with me, but the job turnover is hard if no one's documented that. I can just feel for you, Stephen, because no matter how fabulous the next person is and how talented and capable, the learning curve is steep, Right. And there's a lot of things to do and a lot of processes to master, and a lot of technologies to figure out.
1: And it is. And what a great gift to the next person. Right. You know, my assistant now is wonderful. And, you know, we've thought ahead in this process now because of the pain I went yeah. through. Right. But what a gift would it have been to show up on day one with that, you know, predetermined clarity to how I can deliver value on a base level really fast.
2: Right. And that would help create confidence in the new relationship much more quickly as well. Right. So you wouldn't be in this position of comparing to somebody you had a decade long relationship with and expecting the same thing from somebody new. And so, I mean, it cuts both ways. 100 percent.
0: Yeah. And you also want to keep increasing your self-awareness so you can say, here's what really works here that my top priorities, if you handle these three main things, we can work on the rest. You know, here's how not to drive me crazy. Here's what I'm like when I'm hungry or tired. (laughs) You know, here's what I need. Here's what I don't need. So if you were investing time or energy in this, I'm good. Let's focus on these things instead. Like you can grow too. Like I am so much of a better, I can't even call myself a manager, but I'm so much easier to support because Nicole trained me. She trained me on how to travel better. She trained me on how to receive support. She trained me on how to communicate. Like I got trained up as a result of my eight-year partnership with her, which you become better as a result of it. I feel like we're completely disabusing this notion that any one person is better. (laughs) So I love this. It's like, no, you are partners. What did you say? Hang on a second. Equal in form, unique in function. Yes. Oh my God. This is so good. All right. The next one, number four, again, how you've articulated this is really interesting. Not seeing trust as a bank rather than a vase or vase. So, what does this mean? I'm curious.
2: Yeah. So, when a mistake happens, is that a withdrawal from a trust bank that you've built over time and you you know are sort of mindful of the balance of or are you quick to rush to a complete shattering of trust like a broken vase right And we run into this a lot where, you know, there's tons of good work. There's tons of reasons to believe that the relationship is on the right track, but one mistake and you're back to square one. And, you know, I get it. It's a deeply personal relationship, right? It is probably the most personal professional relationship you're going to have. And so the stakes are really high. But, you know, understanding where you are in the relationship and on a day-to-day basis, are you making deposits in that trust bank is a really important perspective to maintain.
0: Very interesting. Okay. So how does one do this? Because again, how people receive information is unique. What is meaningful to them is unique. So what are some ways, let me just put a couple things at you and see if this qualifies under this category. So one of the things that I know is important to Katrina is I'm very appreciative And appreciation is she's very tuned into what I need and I need to be tuned into what she needs. So being open with her, sharing what I'm doing, sharing my priorities, sharing my struggles, right? Saying thank you. Are those the kind of things in terms of the trust bank or is it something completely different?
2: No, I think that's right. But I also think that in our experience, entrepreneurs form trust differently than other people do because business and life are not separate, right? On the one hand, you'd like to say, well, business is business. But the reality is is we're working primarily with founder entrepreneurs. And so the business is something that they hold, you know, in extreme close personal. It's like a baby, right? It's practically one of their children, right? Yeah. And so they don't see it as separate. And I think that that's one of the things that makes that trust, that vase analogy, that image so real is because if you do anything to harm the business, it's like somebody's hurting a child of yours, right? And you just take Mm -hmm. it deeply personal. What happens is if that's your relationship with your assistant and that's how you view trust, you're going to forever hold them at arm's length. They're never going to be in a position where they can help you enough to potentially hurt you, right? And I just think that that Mm -hmm. is a missed opportunity in terms of developing the kind of deep relationship that's as effective as it could be.
0: That's a really interesting point. Yeah. I think the fact that entrepreneurs build trust differently. So any behavior that could put the business at risk then is something it's kind of there on high alert for, is that
2: right? That's right. And again, if that's your mindset from the start, you're always putting a governor on the nature of the relationship and what's possible. It shows up in every interaction, in every delegation. It is one of the things that limits the possibilities in that relationship.
0: So how do you coach your clients on how to build trust with their assistants?
2: Yeah. So the biggest thing here is being intentional about looking for the wins, right? And Mm -hmm. making sure that they recognize the progress that's being made because oftentimes when things are going well, you think, well, well, great. You know, you sort of almost take it for granted, right? And we have this a tendency to, as soon as something goes wrong, we're in problem solver, 10X, fix it, like dig in deep, oh my gosh, you know, red alarms blaring kind of mode. And that disparity in our reaction and what we focus on as entrepreneurs yeah. is I think a source of that friction. <laughs> so helping our entrepreneurs, helping our clients and having frankly our assistants review that in a daily sync is like, here are the things that are on track. Here are the things that go well is a really important exercise to build up that muscle over time to make deposits that are intentional into that trust bank.
0: I really like that because I think focusing on progress, well, it's a huge part of our gap and gain concept. So we're 100% aligned on that. And I think it can be very easy. Entrepreneurs put themselves in the gap all the flipping time. And then they tend to put the people around them in the gap. And as you said earlier, Stephen, (laughs) we tend to talk to the people closest to us the same way we talk to ourselves, which We're not our own best friends all the time. And so they kind of get the brunt of that, but they don't have our personality, nor do they have our, you know, ownership of it because it's our baby, right? And so really making sure you're acknowledging progress, both your own progress and your assistance and your work together. It's like, hey, I'm really pleased with how this is going. Whereas two weeks ago, this didn't go well. Yesterday it did. Kudos on your learning. Like even reinforcing growth is huge, Saying what you really appreciate about them, I know, tends to go a long way. And again, that for some of us is going to be learned behavior.
2: You know, in my learning from the Experience Transformer coach is like, the inclination is, of course, to use it when you've got a bad experience, but there's this whole other half of the Experience Transformer where you are perfectly allowed and encouraged to use it for a good experience, right? How do we replicate this again in the future? And so I think it's just so easy to see problems. Our job on a day-to-day basis is to have the problems come to us and to solve the problems and move on that we miss sometimes the force of the trees of the good things that are happening.
0: And just so you know, this is version 2.0, the transforming, because it used to be called the Negativity Transformer.
1: Ah.
2: <laughs> this is great. We're getting the inside scoop on
1: You're, on the development. Boy, we're going to founders' days. I love it. I love this. You
0: totally are. And Julia and I, my sister Julia, who is also unique ability queen at Coach,
1: wonderful, wonderful. with whom
0: you were working with today, yes. Stephen, how cool is that? Brilliant. She is. She's phenomenal. Is that we realized that it wasn't only negative experiences that you wanted to transform. If anything, you wanted to capture what worked out a really good experience. And then since so many of us are maximizers, we want to replicate that and make it even better next time. Like I just looked at one for our couples connection. Here's all the great things that worked and here's what we could keep improving. And we have to capture that because we don't do them all every day, right? So it's important and it's much nicer term than the postmortem. <laughs> 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 like that's just kind of an F term. So it's a way to learn from your experience, positive or negative. So spot on, Ryan.
1: Well done, my friend. To give a nod to our friend Lee Brower, also a coach, and strategic coach, the enemy of thriving is arriving, right? And so right. there's always these really great opportunities in the celebrations and the wins.
0: Yeah, celebrate the wins like crazy and like, okay, we're going to do it again. What needs to be even better next time? You know, it's kind of a fun process.
1: And there's just really basic, once you've got that mindset instilled, once you sort of identified that and it opens up the relationship, then back to what you asked earlier, I think there's really, really basic, simple ways to do this. I mean- Dan's referability habits are really wonderful ways to build that trust, right? It's yeah. show up on time, do what you say you're going to do, say please and thank you, and finish what you started. And I probably said those out of order because I'm borderline sucks. But if you do those things consistently, guess what? Great relationships form, trust builds. Yeah.
0: He's actually added a fifth one. Oh. I know, right? Which is be appropriate. So show up on time, do what you say, finish what you started, say please and thank you, and be appropriate. And I have to say... This is probably a good one for this conversation (laughs) because sometimes, especially if we don't have any filters on that day, well, what's appropriate can be different depending on your audience, but we can be a little wild.
1: So was I okay with poop sandwich? Is that what you're telling me? I don't (laughs) know.
0: I think that's perfectly appropriate. All right, good. Just making sure. (laughs) Yeah, there's other words that I would be like. I don't want to get
1: canceled here. You know, I just want to make. No,
0: you're not. You're not being canceled. You're all good. But I think you know. Remember your audience, and remember that they're empathetic, and you're passionate. So uh, sometimes our passion can just be triggering for other people on a good day, (laughs) much less a bad day. (laughs) But even just showing up on time, if you want to put money in the bank for trust, show up on time at least 80 to 90% of the time. We're allowed to reschedule if we're in deep work or something like that, or push back because of a meeting, but don't leave people guessing. They're trying to support your calendar and you doing what it is that you said you want to do. And then you just going MIA, not a good look, just saying. So really important. It's a work in progress for all of us, everyone, assistants or entrepreneurs or anyone else to do those five referability habits and credibility habits. That's the other word. They're not just referability, they're credibility. So if you want to be a credible human, do those five things. Raise your kids to do those five
2: things.
0: (laughs) That'd be good. And I think that's also, from any team member's perspective, not doing those five things actually does harm. And I know for me, if someone is not what I would consider gracious or generous or kind to a client... That erodes my trust. That's like a 10x mistrust thing right there. I can sort of handle internal stuff-ish. No, if someone's nasty to another team member, I'm also not cool with that. But if someone does something to damage the work relationship with a client, that's that—that's not good. <laughs> so I know that that's one of my hot spots. Those are one of my triggers. If that makes sense, that's just not cool. So yeah. And I have less control over that than I do my internal team. So I love my team and I want them well taken care of, but I can usually work out those conflicts. But one with a client, that's more dangerous. Anyway, that'd be my take. All right. Last one to touch on is thinking of and using your assistant as a task completer. So that's a pitfall.
2: So oftentimes when we you know meet folks who don't have assistants, one of the things that they've sort of conditioned themselves to is playing this never ending game of whack-a-mole right and what they do is they get their assistant into that game as fast as possible so they don't have to keep playing whack-a-mole anymore and the moles are popping up and now the assistant's knocking them down and things are great and and certainly that's again the relief valve right that that is a nice quality of life upgrade and you know that's the beginning of a good relationship but it is also a pitfall because as steven alluded to before it settles for good when the relationship could be great. Nice. Because if your assistant isn't anticipating you, looking around the corner, being that strategic partner, then you aren't getting as much value out of that relationship as you could. And the other way to think about that is you don't have to invest in that relationship as much if you only expect your assistant to be playing the game of whack-a-mole, right? And so you sort of let yourself off the hook from having to go deeper in that relationship, from having to be really intentional about forming a strategic partnership because you've relegated your assistant right from the get-go to playing this eternal game of whack-a-mole.
0: That's interesting. And I think for for someone who's truly an executive assistant, and we talked about that in our first two podcasts, that's... A subpar challenge. That's right. Right. They're executive for a reason. There's other types of people who are task completers. You can buy them on the crowdsourcing platforms and stuff like that. But if you actually want someone who has this level of capability, and I remember, I'm pretty sure this is accurate, but I remember there's an intelligence profile called Wonderlic. And apparently, the number that you want for an executive assistant so this is an IQ test, basically, is only one different from attorney. Last time I checked, attorneys need to be kind of smart. <laughs> is that up for debate, Stephen? I
1: know a lot of attorneys. I'm just There
0: kidding. you go. Okay. Well, maybe the kind of attorney you and I would want. Yes, yes. But the point is, you've got a really smart, really committed, engaged, striving, executive assistant available to you that you've invested time, money, and training And getting that point and then only giving them back to your comment earlier, meaning menial tasks rather than meaningful ones is doing them a disservice.
2: That's right. And it's doing you a disservice as well as the entrepreneur. I mean, as the person who's the boss in this relationship, I think one of the other ways that we see this play out, and it is really dangerous because it ultimately ends the relationship, is if you view your executive assistant as really good at just doing the task completion, and they've done a great job subbing in for you at your whack-a-mole game, you start to say, ooh, gosh, what other tasks around the organization could they be responsible for completing? And now you're fractionalizing that assistant's time with, you know, hey, Bob, these tasks can be taken off your plate. Sally, these tasks can be taken off your plate. And now your assistant is playing whack-a-mole for three or four different people, and they're completely burnt out. They're completely dissatisfied because they're not feeding their growth mindset. They're constantly chasing their tail to mix metaphors. And then the other piece of it is nobody in the business is satisfied because they only see a small fraction of the time that the assistant is giving them. So you lose all the proactivity. You lose all the anticipation of looking around the corner. And everybody's upset to boot because they aren't getting enough time for the tasks that they give into the assistant to do. And ultimately, we see that the executive assistant as a shared resource is one of the fastest ways to end the relationship. And it happens because you view them merely as a task completer or sometimes because you have guilt about having an executive assistant and you want everybody else on your team to have an executive assistant as well. So they might as well just have yours.
0: Fractionalizing your assistant. Brilliant. And been there, done that. Did it go well? (laughs) Terrible. (laughs) several times terrible. I made this mistake with multiple people, just saying. It's because, to your point, I didn't have the confidence that I could justify a dedicated assistant for myself. Now, I finally did make that decision 10 years ago, and it's been a complete and total life game changer since then. But I used to share it with two other people. And here's another reason why that doesn't work. Not only do they have to do five people's travel or five people's expense forms or five people's whatever email (laughs) or triaging somehow. There's five people to get to know.
2: It's a great point.
0: Right? So their whole point of learning you, and I'll just give you some of the Colby's of the people they were supporting. So myself, 3295 Colby for a quick start. They were supporting my sister, Julia, six fact finder, eight follow through three quick start. Right? So a very organized person and my friend, Catherine, who's also a colleague at the time, who is a fact finder and quick start short follow through. If you wanna make someone feel like they're crazy, have them support three completely different human beings who have a different way that they want everything done. Oh my goodness. Like we tortured previous assistants and there was more than one of them. So no wonder no one lasted in that role and couldn't wait to get either out <laughs> or to a different part of the company. <laughs> it just did not work and they didn't last long and then finally I am like I need a full-time assistant for myself that was eight years before her life took a different direction and we're still close friends she just emailed me it was our 10-year anniversary and so she messaged me on the day she goes oh 10 years since we met and that's a day that's just like burned in my brain because it was so she's so transformative she's such a great human it's like that was a pivotal day but I made that mistake more than once so good yeah, don't do what we've done.
1: <laughs> Steven? Can I throw in a bonus here?
0: Please. I lo- I was actually hoping there was a bonus.
1: Yeah, yes. well, well, just one that kind of came out of this conversation here that I was reminded of uh, making myself, which is, well, let's make it positive. Make sure you enroll your team and your significant other, your spouse, right? Mm. And avoid end rounds. Because in some small entrepreneurial businesses, which I was when we first brought my first assistant on, I didn't realize that some of the currency that people were receiving was time with me. Yes, and so they were threatened by the idea of an assistant taking time away from me, okay. and they would come with not you know directly sabotaging type stuff, but you know little things, little comments that just kind of seeded. And so, thankfully, I didn't jump or react on it, and I just asked a lot of questions. And what I really discovered was, you know, they didn't like that. Lack of direct, immediate, instant access to me, right? Oh, that is spot on. Helping enroll them in the impact, the outcomes, how it'll be better for them long-term. They eventually understood that, but I had to enroll them in it and really support my assistant in that way to be my my leader.
0: Yes. That is such a spot on comment, Stephen, because that is a currency. And I've seen it like the assistant gets the heat because they're trying to protect your time right? And I've seen that with other leaders too. When you put someone, it looks like in between you and someone else who's used to being able to walk into your office, call you, what have you, they take it really personally. So making sure you communicate, as you said, support your assistant and let everyone else know, very critical point.
1: And when they see you with them strategically at your best, they will get it. Again, this is one of those things that takes a little bit of for some people, a little courage or whatever, but they will see it if you bring that intentionality to this relationship and you get the results that are possible through it. And they won't want anything to do with you. Like my wife is like best friends with my assistant, right? I mean, they, they go to, oh, we already figured all that out. Don't worry about it, right? Just do what your calendar says, right? And so.
0: Well, and eventually they'll see that as an asset. They're like, oh, my God, thank God I don't have to deal with you on this stuff anymore, they'll actually get what they want faster. And this is also true. It kind of goes back to the point earlier with email and thinking that you have to be the one because you know the relationship and everything. Turns out that what people really want are quick answers. Like it can take me forever to get back to something and my assistant could have handled it a week ago. (laughs) So you learn that you're not quite as special as you thought (laughs) as part of this process. So yes, I think getting everyone on board, explaining your why. And there's another really great point here too. Proactive assistants are the key to exponential growth. So not fractionalizing them, don't shortcut your growth. This is a partnership that can grow exponentially. And I had this brainwave, because we've been talking a lot about 10X is easier than 2X. So we have this 10X model. And then we have a unique ability model. Ryan, you were talking about some of the different categories. And it came to me, this is a flash at Couples Connection, that unique ability is 10X It's exponential. Excellent ability, superior skill but no passion, is 2x. Competent is 1x. Incompetent is minus 10x, right? So if you imagine being supported by a unique ability, executive assistant, strategic assistant, support partner, whatever term you want to use, but let's use executive assistant, who's unique in his or her role, which allows you to be unique in yours, that is exponential, It's amazing the transformation that can happen as a result of that. So, like, not compromising that. The point that you've written, Brian, I think it was you. I'm like, yes, yes, and yes. Yeah. Stephen, do you want to weigh in on that one?
1: For a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, we work with all different entrepreneurs at different levels, but for many entrepreneurs, this is that Ben talks about, right? And Dan, for some of them, this is the 80%. Right. Yes. Right? This is the 80%. To
0: get rid of, to get to your... To
1: get rid of for the transformation to occur. Yeah. Literally, this is it. They just do this one thing. They may be 80% of their way to their 10X.
0: That's so exciting. Ryan, what do you you want to weigh in with?
1: We see this transformation
2: happen every day and... That ultimately is the great reward in seeing these relationships grow is the new things that are possible. And so, you know, when you've got that strong vision, you've got that vision of the bigger future. I think having that as your North Star and being really clear on what that is, I think that that's the biggest missing piece for some folks who don't get as much out of this relationship as possible because the urgency and necessity of it is less relevant for them. And so being really dialed in on that, one of the things that we get with, you know, some of our high fact finders is, oh, what, what can I do to prepare? Or, you know, maybe they're anxious about it and they don't want to quite pull the trigger yet is like, you know, how do I get my ducks in a row? What do I need to have prepared beforehand? How do we get set up for success in this relationship? And a lot of that can be taken care of, but the one thing that we can't do and the assistant certainly isn't able to do on day one is to have that super compelling North Star that says, here's where I've got to go. Mm-hmm. I need a new member of my team to make it possible.
0: I love that. So that circles back, like share your goals in a passionate, calm way (laughs) rather than abrasively, right? And share your future. Don't keep it a secret. Share the map to go back to what we were talking about. Don't just share the next step that needs to be done, the tasks, but share the bigger picture. And then you'll have this incredible other talented, capable, unique person, unique function to support you doing that. And that's the recipe for success, So just to wrap up, thank you, thank you, thank you. I mean, the direction that these pitfalls give to what not to do, and then also obviously what to do, I think is really profound. And I love how they got created, which is out of experience (laughs) of what not to do, (laughs) which is how all the best learning happens, the Experience Transformer, actually. So I think you've just given incredible direction about how to have this be not only a successful relationship, but an ongoing long-term exponential, progressive, maximizer relationship. I love that there's no settling. I love all the high standards. That's how I roll. So I just really appreciate both of your input into this. It's fun and it's fascinating and it gives great direction.
1: Always a delight. Thank you so much, Shannon. This has been a great conversation. Thank you. Been wonderful. And uh, just special thanks to you and to all of the amazing attorneys that are in strategic coach because they're not like the other attorneys I talked about earlier.
0: (laughs) I could not agree more. I love that. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, our next episode is coming up shortly, and I'm excited about this one because the next one is winning formulas, what the highest performers are doing. So we talked about what not to do, and now we're going to find out in our next episode what the best people are already doing. So stay tuned.
1: Can't wait.